0: Welcome to Betrayal Trauma Recovery. This is Anne. I wanted to do an update on how my own personal recovery is doing. Oh, I mentioned on a previous podcast that I'm sort of in my angry stage. And it's, yeah, like I was not angry for a long time. I was just super sad. And now I'm very angry. And it's mostly being triggered by my children, which I feel terrible about. So my children are immature because they're five years old and eight years old and three years old, and they are children. For example, I'll say to my son, you need to do this, and he'll kind of ignore me and walk around and not do it, and I'll say, you need to do this, and he ignores me, and then I'll say, you really need to do this, and he'll say, what? Well, you didn't tell me this before, and I know he's lying, right? I know he heard me, and that really triggers the same types of things that happened with my ex, this feeling of I'm saying something, but it's not registering. He's not hearing me. He's not taking me seriously. So last night I was talking to a friend and she said, you know, that's very common with all children. He's not acting like an addict. And I said, actually, that's not true because addicts act like eight year olds. That's what they do. They're immature, so they act like a five-year-old. So basically, I am face-to-face with the same types of behaviors in my addict spouse, except for in a three-year-old, and a five-year-old, and an eight-year-old. That's appropriate behavior for their age, right? It's age-appropriate. They're learning how to tell the truth. They're learning how to listen. They're learning how to interact with people. Totally appropriate for a five-year-old. Not appropriate for a 50-year-old man. Not at all. So... I'm seeing that these immature, age-appropriate behaviors from my very young children are triggering the trauma of the exact same behaviors from my immature, addict, lying ex-husband, who is almost 40 years old. That keeps coming up for me. Before in my parenting, I've been relatively patient, kind, understanding mother. So this is a whole new place for me. And I am working with a coach weekly right now, taking a six week break while I work with this coach weekly and then I'll check back in with my therapist, but uh, working the 12 steps to really focus in on these behaviors and help me with it. I wanna do an update really quick about the 12 steps and how we view the 12 steps here at Betrayal Trauma Recovery. When I first started podcasting, I was attending, and I still am attending, a 12-step betrayal trauma meeting with SA Lifeline, which I love. I now only attend my meeting about once a month, but for about a year and a half, I went weekly. Now, we do not talk a ton about the 12 steps on betrayal trauma recovery because the 12 steps don't fit in with a trauma model, but that doesn't mean they're not both super beneficial, nor does it mean that I would discourage someone from attending a meeting. It has helped me immensely to become closer to God and improve my life and also change. And I'm so grateful for that. When a woman first discovers that she's been lied to, she's being abused, she's being manipulated, at Betrayal Trauma Recovery, we don't feel like that is the exact right time to say things that you often hear in a 12-step meeting, which are things like, you need to clean up your side of the street, or you need to learn to accept the things you cannot change. Uh, Only because when taken out of context or when those values or those principles are misapplied, they lead women to be stuck in the abuse cycle. Once they know how to set boundaries, once they realize they are a victim, once they realize, whoa, these are the things that are happening. If the woman chooses to say, you know what? There are some things I really need to work on and it has nothing to do with my ex-spouse or my current spouse, or if she says, man, in relation to this unhealthy abuse that I have been experiencing, I myself have chosen unhealthy behaviors, that might be something that she wants to look at, or it might not be. But at Betrayal Trauma Recovery, our first goal is that safety piece, and boundaries are the only way to, to create that safety. So, We're not going to be like, okay, let's take a deep breath and accept the things that we cannot change because we do not think that women should be accepting abuse or that women should be just allowing themselves to be abused as they quote unquote work on themselves and clean up their side of the street. Now, in the defense of the 12 steps, I don't think the 12 steps thinks that either, but when you're new to recovery and you're new to the 12 steps, that's a common thing, that many women do. They start thinking, okay, well, if I just focus on myself, then I can make things better. But in reality, they're still being abused. So that's one thing that I wanted to talk about today, why we don't totally and completely promote the 12 steps. Uh, It's not because I personally don't work the steps because I do. We just believe that for professionals to say you need to work on yourself in the face of abuse is unethical. So looking for a professional, if they suggest to you that there is anything that you could do to stop the abuse besides boundaries, like, oh, if you are kind or if you communicate better or let's work on explaining your feelings or something, we do not recommend that type of therapist. That will just keep you in the abuse cycle over and over again. We believe that is unethical. That's why APSATS was started so that when you get professional help, The professional help you are getting is there was nothing you did to cause this. There's nothing you can do to change it. You need to establish safety for yourself. That is the first line of defense when coming to a coach who is certified in APSATs or trained by APSATs. And that is our philosophy here at Betrayal Trauma Recovery. All of our coaches have that philosophy. Uh, Lundy Bancroft's book, Why Does He Do That? In the very end, it says, how can I support a woman who's been abused? Like, What can I say to her? And his advice is what we use and what we recommend that everyone uses, and it's to tell the woman is she's amazing, tell her that she's strong, tell her that she has not done anything wrong, or she's not done anything to deserve this, and that she deserves to be treated with respect. We truly believe that about you. A Betrayal Trauma Recovery, we believe there's nothing pathologically wrong with you, that you're a healthy person who <laughs> is sometimes in many ways, Reacting perhaps in unhealthy ways to abuse, which is completely normal, right? Like all of us went through that phase. I did for seven years. Everybody goes through a phase of denial. Everybody goes through a phase of not understanding what's happening. Everybody goes through a phase of being angry, sad, depressed. But these are the normal, healthy reactions to abuse. And it's all part of the phases of healing. So, from my personal experience, if you're wondering, should I get a betrayal trauma recovery coach? Should I look into receiving some support from a betrayal trauma recovery support group that is led by an appsats coach, or should I join an SA Lifeline group, for example, or an Essanon meeting, you will find your way. For me personally, my healing includes both. It includes me going to an SA Lifeline betrayal trauma meeting, and it includes Work with a coach and work with a therapist who understand betrayal, trauma, understand abandonment, grief. They understand abuse recovery. With my therapist and with my coach, there has never been a time where they have suggested that improved communication skills, or if I would have loved more or forgiven more or something like that, that I could have stopped the abuse from occurring. And that has been so validating. My goal is by working with my coach and my therapist and by continuing to work the steps that eventually God will heal me and that I will be better. In the meantime, I have to learn new tools. So when I'm triggered, I can keep my children emotionally safe and make sure they know that they're loved and cared for. I really appreciate your support. Uh, My Betrayal Trauma Recovery Journey is still in process. And there are days that are really hard. There was a day the other night where I ate potato chips for dinner. Like literally that's all I ate. And I just couldn't bring myself to do anything else. It's not easy. And I've been doing this for two years now and I feel like I'm still in progress. I definitely feel more happy and more peaceful than I did when I started. I definitely feel more safe. Uh, my safety level has gone from like a one or a zero to a 10. I feel supported and I feel loved. So the things I struggle with now are, you know, financial issues, you know, parenting issues, things that will be difficult for a really long time. And there's no quick fix with betrayal trauma. And that's part of, I think, where the anger comes from is that I feel like I'm left dealing with all of the consequences Of my ex-husband's terrible choices, not just for the night that he sprained my fingers and was arrested, but from before we got married, from when he lied to me, from when he chose to watch porn, from when he continued to decide to lie to me and to abuse me and to manipulate rather than live in the truth. Uh, Before I leave, there was an interesting thing that happened this week. It showed how much I've changed in the past two years. My ex showed up for my kid's parent-teacher conference. It was my appointment that I scheduled. And he was able to look online at their account and see when it was. So when I took my eight-year-old into his classroom for the meeting with his teacher, my ex was sitting right there. And I did not want to sit in a meeting with him unless the first thing out of his mouth is I have made seven years, actually it's like nine years now, nine years of terrible mistakes and one right after the other. And I now understand how my actions have harmed you. And this is what I'm going to do to make restitution. And this is how I am going to continue to make living amends to you until you feel safe. Like, unless that is the first thing out of his mouth, like I cannot bear to be in his presence like hey how you doing like any small talk i cannot abide it so i said to my son oh i wasn't expecting your dad to be here why don't you go ahead and talk to your teacher with your dad i'll take your five-year-old brother to the other meeting and then we'll switch so i took my five-year-old to his kindergarten meeting and as i was walking out my ex came in i walked straight up to him and i said you need to make your own appointments and he looked at my face and he's either really not very smart or he was lying to me and said, oh, I just thought the school said this for me and I didn't realize it was your appointment. My gut tells me that that wasn't true. And so I said, no, this is my appointment and you need to make your own appointment from now on. And I left and we switched kids. And then after he brought my son back to the other room and as we were leaving, I didn't acknowledge him and I told my sons, hey, you can go pick out your books from the book fair you know, let's head home and I was just going to leave. And he said, well, wait, wait, you've been coming to my appointments. (laughs) And I said, that's not true because I know it's not true. And he said, well, this thing with our son's preschool last year, you showed up for my appointment, which wasn't true. We were never even in the same room together. So no, I did not show up for his appointment. I said, if you want to argue about this, you can email my dad who we have third party contact through so that I, um, I'm safe so that all communication goes through my dad. And I walked off and he put his hand on my shoulder and he said something like, I hope someday we can get along. And I said something to the effect of probably not these exact words, but you have hurt me so much. Like You filed for divorce. You abandoned your family. So unless you admit your abuse and admit the things you've done and clean up your mess, we will never get along. It was something like that. And I said, you need to leave. And it was amazing. It was amazing because I said my piece. I asked him to leave and he left, which was also a miracle. I didn't want to fight there in front of the kids, but that is what I need to be able to get along with him. And anything less than that, I will not tolerate because I don't quote unquote, get along with psychopaths. I don't quote unquote, get along with people who lie right to my face continually or lie to other people about what I've done. I don't get along with people like that. And I'm never going to. Uh, I don't choose friends like that. I avoid them at all costs, which is what I'm doing with him. And I will continue to do that. The fact that I was able to speak and not break down and not start screaming and yelling or, you know, really going into it and and really giving him what for. The fact that I was able to say a very short statement and ask him to move on his way was a sign to me that my recovery is working. Now, what I need to work on is after that, I ruminated over and over again about like, oh, I think the length of it was perfect, but if I would have used this word and not that word and blah, blah, blah. But really what I did was perfect. And so it's interesting to me that even though what I did was probably exactly what God wanted me to do, I'm still kind of second guessing myself. So I still have work to do, but I love that I saw progress and I'm so grateful for the changes that have taken place in my life. And I'm grateful for the friends and family and professionals in my life that have facilitated my growth. And I'm also grateful for you for being here with me through my recovery journey And I hope that we have many years of beautiful recovery together and that as all of us women across the world become more and more healthy, that we can be a great change for good in the world and that all of us together can find peace and friendship and safety. Giving Tuesday is coming up. It's the Tuesday after Black Friday. It was designed for people who have just really gone to town on shopping and Capitalism that they turn their hearts to nonprofits and donate. As you know, Betrayal Trauma Recovery is a nonprofit and we operate on your donations. We would really appreciate a donation from you. There is an option on our site to be a recurring donator. So if you have the ability to set and forget, meaning you can set the donation to $5 a month or $10 a month or $1 a month or whatever it is. We really appreciate those recurring donations. It makes a big difference and enables us to educate more and more women. Even a $10 donation helps us reach 100 more women. And as you know, before you found Betrayal Trauma Recovery, trying to navigate this on your own without the education and without really understanding what's going on is extremely difficult and we've all been there. So please, we really need your donations and please consider setting a recurring donation that can help us throughout the year. Also, if this podcast is helpful to you, please rate it on iTunes. Every single rating increases our rankings on search engines and helps women who are isolated find us. Similarly, with commenting on our site, if you go to our site and go to podcast and scroll down to any of the podcast episodes, just comment anonymously about what you've learned, about what your experience is. That helps women who find those episodes know that other women are experiencing similar things. So until next week, stay safe out there.